Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm Rex Nelson, senior editor of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and my guest is one of the men that I really consider the the fathers, if you will, of what we now consider uh, the the present version of downtown Little Rock. Rhett Tucker, uh, a family with deep roots in Arkansas here in the capital city. Rhett, thanks so much for joining me for a conversation. Rex, great to be with you. I know we share a lot of the same interests, and I thought it would be an interesting 30 minutes or so to talk about Little Rock and the state of things and where you see things going in the uh, capital city. Um, I wanted to uh, first start, though, a little personally. Uh, how, how did you end up in commercial real estate? Talk, talk about that journey a little bit. Well, I wanted to uh, make a difference. And uh, when I was about 25, I listed about eight things that would kind of fulfill my ambitions. And commercial real estate seemed to be a good fit. And Bob Taylor old banker and longtime uh, president of Blue Cross Blue Shield told me a long time ago, do everything in your power to be your own boss. Mm-hmm. Great and, line. Uh, it was great advice. And uh, in commercial real estate, you can do that. So that kind of, and I love Little Rock. I thought I could in some way make an impact on the city of Little Rock by working in commercial real estate. Well, you certainly have. Of course, you've done projects through the decades all over all over the state but once you partnered with Jimmy Moses your your focus kind of became downtown tell tell me how how downtown became the focus of things as opposed to West Little Rock or or Benton or Conway how did downtown Little Rock become become your focus you know uh developers uh have approval rating somewhere between politician and a serial killer. Higher than newspaper folks, <laughs> well, however. We're right there with you. Uh, but we, and this sounds uh, cliche, but we, we did really want to make a difference. We thought downtown was important. Of course, when I was growing up in Little Rock, downtown was the place the to place be. The place to go, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, all the law firms, all the banks were here. Our our family dentist was in the Boyle Building, which is now empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, my orthodontist was in the Donaghy Building, which is now empty. Empty, yeah. And Jimmy and I just decided that, uh, and, and we were already on this track, that it, that it was important to build a viable, vibrant downtown. To most people, to many people, downtown is the heart of the city. And if your heart's not healthy, probably your arms and your legs aren't going to going to be either. You know, in the, in the early '90s, when the Diamond Project failed to go mm-hmm. to go way back there, let me let me go back even further. Yeah, yeah. Let's walk me through it. We've got plenty of time. Most I'm of the uh, most of the tw- Little Rock was built as a river town, right? Obviously, most of the 20th century, Little Rock turned its back on the river. The, the old state house originally fronted on the river, and it was flipped around to front on to Markham Street. And when I was growing up here in the '50s and '60s. You know what was on the river? The county jail, the Tenenbaum scrap metal dealership, mm-hmm. great, great folks, and the Chris and Shaver gravel operation. Wow. Most places, people will uh, pay to be on water. Many places even pay to be able to see water. And so we wanted to rediscover the river after the 
failure of the Diamond Project in the early 90s, and out of that came the future Little Rock planned long-term planning, and, it, and it's one that has really worked, and it was the impetus to, for the creation of the River Market District, mm-hmm. and I think it was on that basis that President Clinton chose his location for the Clinton Library, and of course, subsequently to that, Heifer chose it as their world headquarters. Right. We'll get into that a little more later. Oh, yeah. I've got that doubt. I want to talk about what Lyon College has playing there now. But You know, we had to bring in the required expert from Baltimore, and he said, uh, find everything that works and try to create that critical mass. So we moved the uh, Museum of Natural History. It became the Museum of Discovery, which has had a great 25-year run under now the leadership of Kelly Bass, mm-hmm. and the farmer's market was in the ground level of the 6th and Scott parking deck, so we, we built the uh, River Market Hall and space for the farmer's market and moved that there, and then Bobby Roberts agreed to move the main branch of the public library into the old Phones Brothers warehouse. They now have a wonderful campus there, as you know, with with the Ron Robinson Theater and other facilities. And so at that point, the the private sector started kicking in, and uh, our company was was one of those. We started building apartments and did the Tough Nut Loft Apartments, which opened in 1999, so that's 23 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the Clinton Library opened uh, some three or four or five years later in 2004. As I said, Heifer followed that, but you had restaurants and shops kind of filling in. I think Sonny Williams just recognized their 25th wow. year. didn't seem that long. They have a really great following. So that's kind of how all that came about. But Jimmy and I wanted to expand on that, and we always talk about the 24-hour community. The old joke at the Excelsior Hotel was, if you went there and said, where should I go to dinner? Or where, where can I walk to dinner? And they said, oh, no, you don't want to do that. Go to the lobby here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't leave the building. And then <laughs> the other joke was, last guy out at five, flipped the lights out. Uh-huh. And uh, we wanted to build that 24-hour community. And, you know, that requires residential. Mm-hmm. And probably more than anything, residential development has been really the – the, the basis for the growth and strength in the downtown over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the residential stayed strong throughout the pandemic. It has seemed to be somewhat uh, recession-proof, and the apartments have stayed full. So I hope and look to see more more housing built downtown. Yeah, and, I mean, in the meantime, some major offices are leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Channel 7's going to leave. Been a long-time anchor on Main Street. That's just one example. That's kind of where we are today, and uh, I'll let you move on to your next subject. No, no, I, I was just going to go back because you sparked a memory. I, I have not been around Little Rock nearly as long as you have, but I go back a ways. So when you mentioned the Diamond Project, I had a flashback to 31 years ago. I was editor of Arkansas Business, and I was there at the, I guess it was the Camelot Hotel uh-huh. then, uh, for the election night, and it was a it was a somber bunch there, but that was a good example, Rhett, when that, when that failed. I mean, it would have built an arena where the main post office was, where the Coachman's Inn for old-timers mm-hmm. uh, will remember, among other things. But when that failed, that is a good example of keep plugging. And what we ended up with, of course, is what's now Simmons Bank Arena on the North Little Rock side, the expanded Statehouse Convention Center 
on the Little Rock side and what we ended up with going forward, I think, probably worked out better because now we're tying together both sides of the river. And no question about it. I think that led to the location of the Dickie Stevens Park mm-hmm. on that side on the of the North river. Little Rock side. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see Little Rock and North Little Rock merge someday, but that's a whole other subject. Don't, don't see that ever happening. But, but yeah, Simmons Bank Arena is a, a tremendous draw. And, of course, Michael Marion is incredible the job he does. One he, of the best in the country. He was a, he was a guest on one of these podcasts, and uh, – we went out, you know, Michael was running a smaller facility in Tupelo, Mississippi, and got him. He had worked on the West Coast. He, he gave us the whole story on the podcast, you know it, of course, and made entertainment contacts. And ever since, this market gets a lot of shows thanks to Michael's contacts that markets this size normally don't get, as you know. Exactly. Groups will skip over Memphis or Tulsa because of Michael Mm -hmm. and his reputation of delivering a good product in the market. So both the ballpark and and the arena and what they've done in in Argena are, are great compliments to downtown Little Rock. Yeah. Of course, we're coming off, hopefully coming off now uh, for good, a, a two-year pandemic. Uh, and I really, you know, two years ago, I look back to where I was, where my thinking was at this time, and I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, I bet we lose half of our independently owned restaurants if this thing drags on. And those people were just remarkable how they switched to take out how they switched to delivery uh, how they continued to uh, stay alive now thankfully the federal government enacted the ppp program that that helped stay alive but uh, as i look down through the river market district which you talked about earlier and which again you're one of the fathers of seems that uh, little rock came out of the pandemic pretty well and that most of the space is full down there now it is and you're right the real heroes of the pandemic are these locally owned restaurant operators. And I remember Gio Bruno at Bruno's in the first few weeks telling me, and he, he was quick to jump on it. He said, Brett, we're just gonna have, we're changing our model. Yeah. And uh, it worked for him. And now you go down there on Saturday night and there's a 45 minute wait. Oh, absolutely. S- Samantha's next door, the same, just the same story. I tell you, another great story is Dan Kovach at Copper Grill who was the longtime manager at uh, Cajuns. He bought Copper Grill from Marybeth Ringgold. He has just done phenomenally. I mean, his his sales volume is better than it's better than it's ever been. And, and then I'm a big admirer, too, of Don Dugan at Dugan's Pub and now owns Dizzy's and South on Main. He is a, a great example of hard work paying off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, threefold further down Main Street. Absolutely. They've, they've hung in there very beautifully and uh, can't say enough about these folks. Yeah, they have done a good job. Now, we mentioned the river market doing pretty well, but as we come on down here, we're taping this at the corner of Capitol and Scott, of course, where the Arkansas Democrat and later the Arkansas Democrat Gazette has long been headquartered. So so let's talk Capitol Avenue because uh, you and I have talked about it. I've written some columns, as you know, in recent months about the need to really focus on Capitol Avenue my thinking, Rhett, as you know, is that ought to be the state's grandest urban avenue leading up to our state capital. And yet, 
frankly, it doesn't look very good right now. A lot of vacancies in the towers, a lot of surface parking, uh, uh, empty storefronts. Uh, it needs a real focus, it seems to me. It does need some focus, and I was pleased to see the mayor has appointed a, a yes. committee, which I think you were invited to, but you said, I need to... I need to be able to write about you it. Need to yeah, be able to yeah. Talk I would be too it. biased a subject to actually be on the committee. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't even know if they've met. Do you? I do not know. I do not know. Uh, my partner Chris Moses is on, and I'll, I'll check with him later. But mm-hmm. yes, we do need to focus on Capitol Avenue and uh, the uh, investment at the AC Marriott Hotel was a nice one. But and again, people that managed to hang in there. I wrote a column about them. Red, as you know. It is a beautiful restoration of two historic buildings downtown. Great, really upscale brand that, again, a lot of markets bigger than this don't have the AC brand. And yet, bless their hearts, I have to say, they opened right before the pandemic started, but they've hung in there. They have hung in there. And if you look across the street, there are two buildings that have just come into new ownership. I was going to mention that, and that, I think, is a little brighter light because we had both the... We had both the Region Center and the Bank of America building tied up in lawsuits and bankruptcies. I mean, both of them, I, I, don't, I don't think it would be uh, unfair just to say have been a mess in recent years. And now Taconic out of New York, which has very deep pockets, has uh, purchased the Regions building. Somebody with knowledge of that situation told me they thought they were about to put about $20 million, which would be wonderful, into that building. We've had a local developer, as we tape this, I was just reading about, that has purchased Bank of America. And I would have to think that now to have single ownership in place on both of those towers would be a, a more of a stabilizing influence. A, a, a big plus. And then... Physically, you recall, both those buildings have those great big, huge bank lobbies, Mm -hmm. which the banks don't use anymore. And now you walk in there, it's kind of like a mausoleum. It's almost spooky. Yeah, yeah. it is a little spooky. And they need to break that space up, have frontage, have have entrances on the street. Great restaurant locations, in my mind, in both of those lobbies. Exactly. And, you know, the experts say you need people walking on the streets. You don't need people driving into a parking deck, bringing their lunch, never leaving the building, and then exiting and going back to wherever they came from. Mm-hmm. You want people out on the street. And, and so, yeah, if restaurants are on Capitol Avenue and perhaps other uses, I do see the hint of a brighter future because of the new ownership of those two buildings. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, you know, we have seen, again, what you all have accomplished in the River Market District, and then it started making its way south down Main Street. You mentioned, uh, for instance, Bruno's. You know, that one block now has seven restaurants it, on it, that one block. It does. And, you, you know, and they're all good, too. I've been to all of them as a guy who likes to eat. Don't we all? But <laughs> something great about that block is all the old buildings were still there. Yeah. So it gave us and others something to renovate. And, of course, we, we redeveloped the old Blast department store in the, what we called the Mann Building. Mr. Mann was the architect of the state capitol and that, that facility. And that's where Samantha's and Bruno's went. We also put 19 loft apartments. Mm-hmm. And then above Samantha's is state offices, which Mike Beebe committed to. And I think if we have a little cooperation and support from the state and let's not scatter all the state offices out all over the county if we could concentrate some on main street maybe that could be an impetus for 
the Boyle Building and or the Donaghy. Uh, who knows? I, 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 w- I was going to say, uh, so the river markets are coming up that way. We know all the good stuff that's happened down on South Main. But then you've got the gap in there where your two tallest buildings on the street, yeah. Donaghy and Boyle, are empty. It seems to me that the next challenge downtown, we need to fill in that gap. Yes. And then we need to start moving west down Capitol Avenue yeah, yeah, also. I, I totally agree. And uh, if you look at Main Street, uh, there is a huge gap there. One other plus between uh, the 300 block and uh, Boyle and Donaghy is the Little Rock Tech Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, we view that as a, as a real plus for downtown. Glad we were able to locate it here. That was a challenge because uh, that was ended up being a 4-3 vote. There were some that wanted to put it at, at university and 430. And we were able to persuade the board to put it downtown. And I think Brent Birch would tell you that's that's been a good thing. We'll be back with more of the Southern Fried Podcast. But first, this break. Hi, Rex Nelson here. Thanks for listening so far. A lot of the topics we cover here on the Southern Fried Podcast and many more can be found on the pages of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. If you'd like to support this great newspaper's commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette today. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad, provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, including my three weekly columns, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Let's talk a little bit, uh, we hinted at it a few minutes ago, about uh, the gutsy decision by a small liberal arts school in Batesville, Lyon College. Uh, And full disclosure, I used to represent Lyon for five years when I was president of Arkansas Independent Colleges and Universities. So I'm biased. I like that school. I like all 11 schools that I represented. But uh, Lyon has teamed up with the private sector now with a plan to go into unused space now that Heifer has so many people working from home or elsewhere around the globe in that building to open the state's first dental school, the state's first veterinary school. I personally think there's a need. I think it's going to work. And if it does work, as they're hoping it will, Rhett, you know, I can see that with Faculty members, hundreds of new students downtown, maybe spurring development of Boyle, Donaghy. Uh, I, I think that could be potentially the most exciting thing downtown if that works since the opening of the Clinton Presidential Center. Well, and it'll just be a, it's a tremendous boost for Little Rock and downtown, and it will 
be unbelievably positive for the the East Village, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's it's going to be great for everything. And I was visiting with the new dean of the Clinton School, Dean Soto, recently. Yes, you, you should have her on if you hadn't met her. I, I, I plan to do it. I've done a column uh, about her, and I have her on my list of future podcasts. She's very dynamic and very progressive. Yeah. And I was talking to her about that becoming an academic hub there, with you got the Clinton School and the Veterinary School and the and the Dental School and. Uh, you know, all the statistics say that all the U.S. is underserved by dental schools. Of course, Arkansas doesn't even have one. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arkansas is among the most underserved as far as dental services are concerned. So I believe it will it will happen and will be very successful and will be a game changer for Little Rock. You talk about uh, academic uh, downtown. You've got the Clinton School. You add these two new schools. Uh, we mentioned your business partner, uh, Jimmy Moses, and, and Jimmy has begun a push, and I'm on board. <laughs> you know, you saw my recent columns oh, of, uh, of getting UALR to have more of a downtown presence. I, I think on their South University campus and to a lot of people in central Arkansas, for better or worse, Rhett, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. And if you could get, for instance, the business school to move downtown, perhaps partner with the tech park, uh, I think it could benefit not only downtown, but benefit the university, more importantly, which has been losing enrollment for several years now. Yes, I mean, we're well aware of their problems, and uh, the capital city should have a viable university. And, of course, UAMS is such a wonderful anchor, but, you know, UALR, you mentioned the out of sight, out of mind, and it's also the perception is reality. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people just think, well, I I don't think I want to go out there for for whatever reason. It's just not, not, not in their consciousness. And I think a presence downtown may be in concert with the Little Rock Tech Park. You know, that half a block across the street, across mm-hmm. Capitol Avenue, is available. That could be that could be great for downtown. And, and as you say, great for UALR. And I hope the Board of Trustees will take a hard look at this. Me too. It could be great for everybody. Now, while we're talking about different sectors downtown, uh, one area that... I consider a real success story is the arts right now. We're, we saw a few years ago uh, more than $70 million put into the renovation of the Robinson Center, and now we're getting off-Broadway shows that we never could have gotten in Little Rock before because of that. The Arkansas Arts Center is nearing completion of construction, uh, about another $120 million that they've raised. Fantastic. Uh, The Symphony Orchestra, again, talking about the East Village right down there Mm -hmm. by the Presidential Library in Heifer, is building the Stella Boyle Smith Center, uh, which won't be a performance center, but it will be classes. It'll be smaller events, uh, but that's a $10 million facility. Rhett, that's just those three projects, I was doing the math at my desk the other day, about $200 million investments in the arts downtown. That That's pretty impressive for a city this size, and I don't think a lot of people have put that together in their mind. But that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it, it's very impressive. And, you know, the Robinson, they always talked about, we're going to build it so we could host Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, yeah. Because it's such a huge production. And they did that. Mm-hmm. And... Yes, what they've done, and uh, 
that facility is just such an asset for Little Rock. And then, as you say, the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts, it's, it's been transformed into something really, really special. And I, I'll also mention the rep, which now seems to be stabilized. Mm-hmm. You know, they were on the brink there a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely and, were. And uh, the symphony is a major player as well. So, yeah, you know, downtown is kind of where all the culture and history is. And to see the uh, financial investment in those institutions is very encouraging. Speaking of the history, um, I can't end this without talking about, because you were so instrumental in making sure that we had a museum at Little Rock Central. Obviously, the Little Rock Central desegregation crisis was one of the top news stories in the world in 1957. uh, I love doing research on that area. Your father was written up in the New York Times, for instance, as being one of the pragmatists, one of the moderates here in Arkansas. But you really led the effort to create that museum and then get the National Park Service to take over and now a National Historic Site. And uh, you talk about the history of Little Rock. I don't think celebrate is the right word, but to commemorate the Little Rock Nine and to really mark what was one of the instrumental points in the civil rights movement. And as you know, there are now a lot of civil rights tourists who go around the South visiting places just like this. We're definitely on that itinerary. And some say that the 57 crisis was the biggest constitutional crisis since the Civil War. I I think it was. I I mean, I, I really, you know, as a history nerd, really think, and of course, we had President Eisenhower saying, look, the South's been ignoring Brown versus Board of Education for three years now. It had come out of the Supreme Court in 54. This is where the federal government's going to make it stand. He first nationalizes the Arkansas National Guard, then, of course, brings in the 101st Airborne Division out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So, in essence, Rhett, you had a southern city really occupied by federal forces for the first time since Reconstruction. Yeah, that's that exactly right. And how it really came about is two friends of mine, Max Brantley and Skip Rutherford, we all had kids at Central Mm -hmm. and were having a great experience. And our thought was there's a happy ending to the 57 crisis. Central's recognized as one of the top public high schools in the country. In the country and successfully desegregated and is to that day. Let's pray that Nancy Rousseau lives to be 115. Amen. So we wanted to recognize that and the history, and we also kept hearing that people came to Little Rock, wanted to see it. There was no visitor center, there was no material, you know, that it could be a tourist attraction, Mm -hmm. which it has become, and then we subsequently got Mark Pryor helped us get the $5 million visitor center built. We originally renovated the mobile gas station on one corner. And, and then we later, then the National Park Service took it over with the strong influence from Senator Bumpers, who was retiring the year we got it approved. In fact, when, when we first approached the National Park Service, this, this is worth telling, they said, oh, you can apply, it might take five to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And so then Bumpers jumped in, they, they would often grant favors to retire, respected retiring senators. Mm-hmm. And to his credit, Dale Bumper said, 
I'd like a favor on this. Yeah. <laughs> it happened inside of one year. Yeah. And it's now funded. I think their budget's a couple of million dollars a year. We don't we don't have to raise right. any money locally. Now one of only seven National Park Service yeah. Uh, yeah. facilities in the state. And it's the only operating high school that's a National Historic Site in the entire country. So, yeah, that's something I think we can all be proud of. A, a real success story. Before we wrap up, you know me, I, I tend to be a glass half full guy and I get thank goodness I get, I get frustrated like everybody else does you know again I look down Capitol Avenue for instance and get frustrated and write a column I, I look at ULR's problems and I get frustrated and I, I write a column but I tend to be a, a glass half full guy and uh, as I look at central Arkansas going forward I, I see some what I consider some really good trends uh, we look at the growth of the financial sector with both Simmons and Bank OZK and now others coming along, but those two in particular just bringing hundreds of jobs to Little Rock and being national players. And I remember you sent me an email a few years ago saying, you know, we're, we're becoming a little bit of a Charlotte now yeah. Uh, yeah. as far as a regional banking center. I see that and now I see, you know, the fact that uh, we're, we're never going to be Memphis in that sense, but certainly growing as a logistics and distribution hub. We saw Amazon employing probably near 5,000 people in the area now. And now on top of that, we've seen uh, announcements that uh, Tractor Supply is coming in, that Dollar General's coming in, that Lowe's is now coming in with large distribution centers. So logistics, distribution, financial, those seem to be very rapid growth sectors for the for this part of the state to me. I totally agree. And I would add Centennial Bank and, and Rennie Rutledge's first security oh, bank. Oh, absolutely. As, as, as far as local entities are and, concerned. And then we've got, you know, you look out there at Rawling and Chennault, then you've got First Community uh out of Batesville, you got Bank Corp South out of Tupelo, Mississippi, right. building big facilities. You go down Rawling, you've got Encore, uh, which is really growing. Uh, it, it is the banking sector is just unbelievable right now. Banking and and healthcare and the logistics. I mean, who would have thought five years ago we would be attracting all those facilities? And this is a question for you: Are we getting some of those instead of Memphis getting them? I think so. I think we are too. I, I think so. I think Memphis has become so crowded and they're having to build so far away out in DeSoto County, Mississippi, right. whatever. You can now get near our airport, and I can't uh, I can't say enough. We've had him on this podcast uh, also, but I, I can't say enough about the job Brian Day and his staff do at the Port of Little Rock. I, I just think Brian has become one of the best in the country. At what he, he, does. he is. He's, he's got a lot of ability, and I think they're looking to put a super site together out there. And mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me if we finally attracted that auto manufacturing facility that we've always dreamed of all these years. So you're right. I mean, there are definitely some good things happening. So what does your crystal ball tell you as we wrap up? Where, where do you see the state's capital city five years from now, ten years from now? Uh, academic hub in the East Village, more residential, uh, a re-envisioning of Capitol Avenue. I think those would be my top three. All right. Brett Tucker, thank you so much. Thank you. Brett. Pleasure. Let's do it again in the future sometime. Always great to be with you. Rhett Tucker, our guest, thank you for joining us for another edition of the Southern Fried Podcast, a production of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette.